Well, I've got to ask you, what is every parent's favorite Christmas carol? Silent Night, of course. So thank you for leading us in Silent Night. You know, how is the Christmas alphabet different? There's no L's. Oh, you guys are good at this. You guys have, have known these. All right, last one. Why is it getting so hard to buy an advent calendar? Their days are numbered. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I felt like today, as we were talking about our everlasting father, we need to start out with a few dad jokes. Because that's, that's what a lot of dads are known for. But I feel like we need to, we need to pray now. <laughs> so join, join with me as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can worship you today. Thankful that we have your scripture, that we can learn more about you, Jesus. We pray that we would know what you want us to know and do what you want us to do. And that you would, your spirit would guide us as we listen and as we open your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been, as we've been approaching Christmas, and we're a week away now from Christmas, as we've been approaching Christmas, we've been looking about uh, from what the prophet Isaiah foretold 600 years before the Savior Jesus came to the world. And he gave, a, he gave these, these four kingly titles. And so, I know Mark read it this morning, but in Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah said this, he said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. So Isaiah, 600 years before, is, talking, is telling the people about the Savior that's coming. And the sign is that he's going to be born in a very different way. And and he's going to be called Emmanuel. We sung about that this morning. O come, O come, Emmanuel. God with us. That, that Jesus would come as a human, but also as God. Holy man and holy God. Then in, and then uh, in chapter 9, verse, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. So this light has dawned. What is this light? Who is this light? In verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, these, these titles, these kingly titles for Jesus, they, we hear them often at Christmas time. But these titles aren't just for Christmas. Eugene Peterson says that these four names are a frontal attack on all that keeps us from God. 
He says that the four names, they're a frontal attack, but they're also an all-out assault on what is wrong with the world. So we can know more about Jesus through these names. You know, we've, we've talked about the Wonderful Counselor, how Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor, and how as the Wonderful Counselor, he came to rescue us from from what? Our ignorance. He came to rescue us from our ignorance, and we said that the Wonderful Counselor, Jesus, he was beyond, he is beyond comprehension. That he's also... He gives guidance like a wonderful, like a counselor giving guidance, but better than that. And also, that he offers himself to us. And then we looked at the the mighty God and how Jesus came to rescue us from our sin as mighty God. How Jesus is all-powerful. He is the only one that can save. And Jesus saves us from our sin, but he, he offers us salvation. It's a free gift. And so that we've looked at Wonderful Counselor, and we've looked at Mighty God, and today we're going to be looking at Everlasting Father. And I know sometimes when we, when we talk about fathers, that can be a, a hard topic for, for some. Maybe you've had a not the best experience with an earthly father. And so it's hard to, to relate to God as a father. And so I want to just encourage you, if that's been your case, that we look to the Heavenly Father. And he, as we look to the Heavenly Father, that, that will help us to see more of what our earthly fathers could be like and are made in His image. But this, this, there's this problem and I think I've, I've kind of always felt it, like when I was a kid read, hearing this verse, that this, this son was going to be a father. That this baby Jesus that was coming is going to be called Everlasting Father. So I, I was wondering, like, how can a son be a father? And then I was thinking about it. Every father in human history is a son. If you're a father... That means you've been a son. So the same can be true of being a father and a son. And so as we look at at Jesus as not just this baby that's coming, but Jesus as this eternal father. Now, he's not God the father. He is God, but he has the quality and he has what a father is. Our Daily Bread said it this way about our everlasting Father. They said, He became a child in in time through His birth, but He is Father and the possessor of eternity. So He he can be both. So, let's look at what, what this everlasting means. Everlasting. The word everlasting means eternal. In some translations of the Bible, in Isaiah 9, 6, it actually says eternal father. It doesn't say everlasting father. And so our eternal father, our everlasting father, is who Jesus is. And think about this, this word eternal. Eternal is without end. But it's also without a beginning. 
So it's this idea of forever. And if you think about forever, it's really hard to think about forever because our minds, are, we weren't made to think about forever. And it's hard, it's hard for me. I remember when I was a kid and, and other times I've thought about how, you know, what was before and before and before and how far is, how far did God start? When did he start? And when, when like how far into the future? It's just, the, the timeline doesn't work. There's no timeline for God because God is eternal. And so we as mortals, me as people, we have a beginning and we have an end. And so that's what we kind of project to God. There's a beginning and there's an end. But God is eternal and God is forever. And not just he will be forever, but he always was. And I think that's really hard for anybody to understand. <laughs> if you got that, um, let me know. Because <laughs> that's, that's if, you, if you think about it for a while, that, that's hard. And so our first point today is that, is that Jesus is our everlasting Father who is eternal. The Lord is our everlasting Father. Jesus is our everlasting Father, and He is eternal. And so we see that God is eternal. We see that Jesus is eternal. It's still in Isaiah 9, the verse right after what I just read in verse 6 about the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, it says this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. Okay? There will be no end. And then it says that he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and what? Forever. So forever. Jesus reigns forever. And it's hard to think about forever. But we don't really have to think about it because we can just know that Jesus is eternal. We heard Mark read this morning from Hebrews how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Jesus is forever. And so we can have our hope in Jesus forever. In Psalm 90... There's a psalm of Moses. In Psalm 90, verse, verses 1 to 4, I have it on the screen here. And it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or, before, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Next slide. You turned people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or a watch in the night. So here, Moses is, is talking about how God, yeah, throughout our generations, throughout the generations that Moses knows, and the, the history of, of people, that God has been faithful, and God is before them. Right? That he was... He's been the place of, that we can dwell, the place that we can find shelter, the place that we can trust, who we can trust, for as long as there's been people. But then it says in verse 2 that even before the mountains were born, or before you brought forth the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So before the beginning of time, 
before the beginning of the world, before anything he created, he was still. And then from everlasting to everlasting, for, forever, he is eternal, he's forever. And then I, I like this, this part about how sometimes we say like, oh, a thousand years equals a day. Well, here in this psalm, Moses is just saying, kind of like a thousand years goes by and it's just, it's like nothing to, to God. It just, it's just, his time and our time are just on a different plane. They're just are in a different way. And so just time, even, so it's not that a thousand years equals a day to God. It's just, he's just saying as a reference, like, it's just like so many years just go by so fast. Now maybe you think that the older you get, so many years just go by in a blink, a blink of time. So when we think of the Lord is our everlasting Father, when we think about the Lord who is eternal, how does that make, how does that help us have our trust and our hope and our security in a Lord that is from everlasting to everlasting? I think it helps me know that it's not just about this, this earth. It's not just about this, whatever time I have on this earth. But that I have, a, I have a God, I have a Lord that I can trust, not just for these years, but forever. And it makes, it makes the time here maybe even shorter. Maybe more, more, we live more intentionally. Maybe we think about more about what forever will be like. And not just what it will be like, but how we are with Jesus. And so as we wait for this, as we, as, you know, it's a week away for Jesus, Jesus' birth that we celebrate Christmas. And we're thinking about this, this, ad, this time of waiting, this Advent. We've been talking about Advent for the last few weeks. This Advent means that we're waiting. But we know at Christmas, He's born. He's here. He's cel- we can celebrate Jesus, the Savior that was born. But just like Advent, as, as believers in Jesus, we are in an ongoing Advent. Not just waiting till Christmas Day. We are waiting until our last day. We're waiting until the day either that we die or the day that Jesus returns. And that is the Advent. That Jesus, when He comes back, then we're going to be with Him. And that is the day that as Christians we should be excited about. But at the same time, we should be focused on what it means before that. Because we want to be having more and more people love Jesus and trust Jesus so that they will be with Jesus forever, in eternity. the, The Net Bible notes that in its original context, this, these pictures of this king as the protector of his people, that the everlasting father is this, is this idea not just of this like dad, but as this protector. And so secondly today, we're going to say that the Lord is our everlasting father who forever provides. Now one of the big things he provides is protection. But, you know, as parents, we, we provide a lot of things. We provide care, 
love, wisdom, hopefully protection and safety. We provide things. I mean, you got all the parents, you know, you, you provide a lot of things, right? Sleepless nights. <laughs> we provide things. And as a father as, and as a mother, we, we joyfully provide things. But we also get tired. <laughs> but our Father, our eternal Father, He forever provides. He doesn't get tired. He's continually providing for us the things that we need. You know, I've been, I've been telling you about this story about how my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, Emily, how she, a few weeks ago, well, now it's about two months ago, uh, way before it was really cold, when we were hiking at, at Turkey Run, and she got too close to this slippery edge um, by the river, and she falls in. And, and so I was, I've been telling you a little bit about this story, but, but, you know, as a father, when I heard my brother-in-law just casually say, I think Emily's in the water, <laughs> my heart just like turned, and, I, and maybe adrenaline kicked in, but I just, something changed about me because I'm a dad, and I want to protect my daughter, and I want to rescue my daughter. I want to be there for my daughter. And so, I mean, I wasn't within eyesight, but I was jumping down through all these rocks, trying to get to her as fast as I could. And I know that when we have an emergency, we can do wonderful, crazy things really fast. And I feel like the way that I was getting down there was just so quickly. And it wasn't what I was doing. It was that my father instincts were just set in to protect, to rescue, to want to restore Emily, to see if she was okay, to help her. You know, I got to Emily as, as soon as possible. But God, God wires fathers this way to protect. He wires parents to protect their kids, to nurture their kids, to care for them, but especially as fathers, to, to provide that safety, that help in, in times of crisis. And mothers and fathers are given that, that care for their kids. And so I could just see as, as, a, as a parent I wanted to rescue her. I wanted to protect her. And thankfully, she was okay. Thankfully, there was, it, was a, it was difficult to get her out, but she was able, we were able to get her out. But let me ask you this. What, does, what do you really need? Like, what do you really need? As, a, as the everlasting Father, he, can, he provides what we really need truly need. He provides the love that we need. Now, sometimes we, we want our parents to provide a lot of stuff that we don't really need. And I feel like that's, we kind of do this similar with God. We think about all the things that would be nice if we could have, or all the, you know, I wish we weren't sick, or I wish we weren't, you know, all these problems. But what do we really need? What we really need, God has provided for us. He's really provided a way to be with him. He's provided salvation. 
He's provided us with love. He's provided us with himself. So our everlasting Father, he invites us to be part of his family. And that's our third point today, is that he invites us in. Now, as, as family, we have brothers and sisters. That doesn't mean we always get along, but we should. <laughs> we sh- but we're, our Heavenly Father, through His Son, Jesus, is giving us a relationship. Now, He doesn't, like I've been saying, He doesn't force relationship on us. He doesn't say, you have to be in my family. But He invites us into His family. He invites us into relationship. I mean, it's pretty cool that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with me and you. And so he invites us to be part of his family. You know, in the, the a parable that Jesus told, called the, the prodigal son, at the end of the story, when this when the son had squandered all of the father's wealth. And at the end of the story, the this, this son realizes, I'm better off being a servant for my dad. I'm better off, at least then I'll, at least then I'll live. I'll have what at least I need, at least food. And so the son comes back. And way from a distance, the father has been looking. The father is waiting for his son to return. And the father, what does he do? He runs out to greet his son who has returned. And he celebrates that his son has returned and come back to his family. And I, and I think, I believe that's the picture of, of the father. Jesus, the, Jesus is our everlasting father who wants us to come back to him. He wants us, or maybe for the first time, to come to him, be part of his family. And he welcomes us. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't, there's no sin that's too damaging for Jesus to welcome you back in. He wants us in his family, but he's not going to force it, just like the father in the story. He didn't run off and find this guy in a far-off country. He waited for him to come. And so God is waiting for us to take him up on that invitation. Whether you've been a believer in Jesus or never have, he wants, this Christmas especially, he wants you to be part of his family, God's family. You know, sin separates us from God. Even, even I've noticed this recently, that like my two-year-old, Annie, you know, like yesterday she like throws a banana across the table. And like as she's about to throw it, I'm like, Annie, no. But she still throws it. And so that's sin. And, and, and sin comes at an early age where we, we know what's right and wrong and we still choose what's wrong. And it kind of breaks my heart because then she, right when she realizes this is wrong, 
and we, you know, scolded her, or what, you know, I forget how, what happened, you know, no, Annie, no. She just, I was going to, I was thinking about what consequence to give her, but she gets, gets down, now she's not in a high chair anymore, so she has a little more access. <laughs> so she gets down from her chair, and she runs to her room to cry. And it's like so sweet that she like realizes the sin. And she, well, what, the, what is that sin? That sin is separating her from relationship. Not just from her father, but for her, from her brothers and sisters, her mom. It's, the sin separates. And that's a picture of what all our sin has done. And what it, what, when we sin, it separates us from, the God, from, from our God from our everlasting Father. But sin doesn't have to be the end. Jesus wants to rescue us. And our main idea today is that Jesus came to be our everlasting Father to rescue us from our isolation. So instead of us having isolation, instead of us being off in a room crying, instead of us being away from family, away from God's will. Instead of us being in isolation, Jesus comes. Jesus comes to rescue us. He rescues us from our isolation and brings us into family. You know, as a father, I really wanted my daughter Emily to be rescued. She was in the water. In this, in this river, it was getting cold. It didn't seem very, it, it was not a good, good situation, but at least she wasn't hurt. She was, she was isolated. She wanted back with her family, but she couldn't get to us. She needed rescued. She needed to, to be restored from her isolation. And as a dad, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring her back. I wanted her to be with us, not in a cold river by herself. So let me ask you, as we think about Christmas, and we think about our Heavenly Father who gave us this, His Son, who gave us this son that's our wonderful counselor, that's our mighty God, that's our everlasting Father and our Prince of Peace. What do we want? Or really, maybe what do we need for Christmas? I know it's, it's a week away. We should be thinking about what do we want? What do we really want for Christmas? And maybe you're in isolation. Maybe sin has separated you from the Father. Maybe, whether you've been a believer or never have turned to Jesus, maybe this Christmas is the time to say, I want to be rescued. I want to take you up in this offer. I want to, I want to be in your family, Jesus. You know, sometimes we kind of like our isolation. Or maybe we kind of feel like we deserve it. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our everlasting Father, He invites us. He rescues us 
from our isolation and brings us into his family. But we have to choose. We have to accept this invitation. And even though this invitation, we can accept it anytime, there is a deadline. There's a deadline. I said it earlier that someday Jesus is returning, or someday we're going to breathe our last breath on this earth. And either of those cases, it's too late. We can't accept, we can't accept Jesus' free gift of salvation when we die or when Jesus comes back. And we don't know when either of those things are. We don't know. And so, my plea to you this Christmas season is if you are separated from God, if you're in isolation, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you've run off, don't wait until you have it all figured out. Don't wait until you're older. Don't wait until some magic time that's better. What we really want, what we really need for Christmas is we need to be in relationship with Jesus. Not just so we can get to heaven, but we need Jesus and his, the life that he gives. The life that he wants us to live is so much better than trying to do life on our own. And so his life, his abundant life, his eternal life is for us if we accept his free gift of salvation. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and pray this with me. If you've never accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, or you want to do that for the first time or another time today, I encourage you to, to right now pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in my life. Lord, I pray that I would, that you would take my sins, that you would forgive me for all the things I've done in my life. Lord, I pray that I would be saved by you, that I would be in relationship with you. Lord, I pray that I would accept your free gift of salvation whether I've done this before or not, Lord, I pray that you would change my heart. Give me a heart for you. Please help me to trust you and love you and walk in your wonderful light, listening to your wonderful counselor, knowing that you are mighty to save, that you are eternal and that you are my Prince of Peace. Jesus, I commit that my life to you, and thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you've prayed that prayer today, please tell somebody. Please tell me, please tell an elder, please tell someone you came with. Please tell someone, because... We need to be in, in family. We need to be in relationships so we can 
grow as a family of God. We can encourage each other. So as we, as we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I'll just invite the band to come back up. As we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I want you to think about what this means. Hark, this behold this good news. The angels are singing the good news that Jesus Christ is born, that the Savior has come, and that we have salvation in Him alone. And so as we sing this, this we can sing to our everlasting Father.